Okay, we're in Kofiud Gimel Amid Beis, 113b, a paragraph up from the bottom. And we're repeating the famous teaching of Shmuel, Dina de Malchusa Dina. Gufa Omer Shmuel, Shmuel taught that the laws of the local government, in addition to Torah laws, also a person has to follow. Dina de Malchusa, the rules of the government, Dina, are, are, are required. Omer Rava, Rava says, I can prove it. Teda the Katili Dikli Vigishre, the government cuts down farmers' trees and makes bridges. Gishri Gishri, Vavina Alayo, and uh, Jews use these bridges. And if these if it was illegal, if it was considered stealing, now according to our law, the government can't just take something away from you. They can't just cut down your trees. But according to the law of the land, they're allowed to do it. And uh, we don't find that we refuse, if it were really stolen, we wouldn't be allowed to go over them. So it must be the reason we're allowed is because of Dinan Makusidin. It's not a proof. Really, the government or whoever builds those bridges has no business cutting down those trees. And really, it's stealing from the people. But maybe the owners give up hope of getting it back. If it wouldn't be that a person has to follow the rules of the country, how would he, uh, how would he give up hope? Um, how, they, um, how would he give up hope? It must be that he gives up hope because he knows that he has to follow the laws of the land. But Abaye has a different question. Even if you want to say that you have to follow the laws of the government, Government only works when they apply equally to everybody. And in this case, they're definitely not following the laws of any king because they're taking all of the trees from one farmer. Instead of, um, it's not a tax <coughs> if, if only one farmer has to give all the trees for the bridge. So, they're not following the king's laws. The king says, The king says that the burden of providing the tax of the trees for the Bridges has to be from everybody equally. And these tax collectors, they cut off the trees right next to the bridge, all from one farmer. So the Gemara answers, These people of the government that cut down the trees, they're working for the king. And really it must be the king allows them to take it from one person. And even though the king said it should come from everybody, that means they would allow this uh, person who had the trees cut from him to go to the other farmers in the neighborhood and collect their part of the tax. Well, low Torah, he didn't go to the trouble of doing that. So really, the government would have allowed him to get reimbursed from the, the other, uh, get his trees reimbursed. He could have gotten from everybody else, Umishko Demeo, or taken the money. See, the, uh, the government was too lazy to get one tree from each person and transport it to the place where they make the bridge. So what they do is they take all the trees from the nearby farmer and they say, if you want to get paid back or to have the tax spread equally, you go collect from the other farmers. Vahani, okay, so that's that halacha. Another halacha that Rava taught. Amarava manda mishka beidori paramansa demalkas. The tax collectors would come to the granary and they would take the tax from whoever was there. And they take from one person and uh, for other people and tell them to get reimbursed from others. So if you're found in the granary, 
uh, and they take your tax from you for other people, it's legitimate that you get reimbursed for the fact that the government took their taxes from your grain. Behind me, shutfa. As long as, as those other people are your partners. Avo, um, this is one of the person who actually owns the grain. Avo Arisa, but if the person who was there was a sharecropper and they took from him, Arisa who de Kamapik, uh, then they really should not be taking taxes from him because the sharecroppers shouldn't be taxed. Another teaching of Rabbah. Barmasa, Barmasa, Mivit. If um, one person in the city didn't pay their taxes, another person, if the tax collectors uh, take, um, take a, um, a collateral from one person, on um, one person can take collateral from one city can take collect, uh, collateral for another city to pay the taxes um, because everybody's required to pay them. That's if it's the land tax or the head tax of this year. But if somebody's trying to take collateral to get the taxes paid from previous years, the king had already agreed to that and somebody is trying illegally to take the taxes. Amaravah. Hani dari kum. The uh, they had different people that would fertilize fields. You would they had animals that produce lots of dung, and you hire them to bring their animals into your fields and release their dung, uh, and that was the, they were called the dairy daris. So if they're inside the city, you can't buy any animals from them. Mishum demarva demasa because they're known for stealing other people's animals. Other animals are mixed in, it's that stolen property. Can't buy something that's potentially stolen property. If their animals are located outside the city, then you're permitted to buy from them because then they wouldn't be mixed in the locals' animals. If they're outside town, but they have a bad reputation and people are chasing after them, then you shouldn't buy from them even if they're outside the city because we hear that they steal animals. Rava made an announcement. Some people say, Those that go up to Eretz Yisrael and those that come back from Eretz Yisrael. Hide Bar Yisrael. Basically, Jews were coming and going from Bubble to Eretz Yisrael, and he wanted them to spread the following rule. If you have a Jew that knows testimony for a Samaritan, and he's not subpoenaed, and on his own he goes and he testifies in a Samaritan court against a fellow Jew, we put him in Cherem. My taima, what's the reason? Why, why, what's wrong? He told the truth. The answer is, in Mapik Mamona, the Samaritan courts don't follow Jewish law, and they take money away from a person, as we turn to today's page, Kofiadal at 114, on the testimony of one person. Below Amrin, um, and uh, the halacha is, you can't take away money uh, from a person uh, if there's only one wit- uh, with one witness. And so, this person is allowing money to be taken from a person that shouldn't be taken from him. Uh, and we only say this if that's what they do. Abu betray low. If there's two witnesses, then that's legitimate. Even in a Torah court, uh, the money's not, he's not entitled to that money. And even with one, that's only Dini de Megaisa. That's like a local kangaroo court. Abu Beiduri, but the official court, even of the Samaritans in Unami, they would not uh, take away money with one witness. Chad Amusa. One witness is only enough to take an oath, Shadi, and that's, that's legitimate. When I was by Ravuna, he asked the following question. 
And the Samaritan courts, they usually require two witnesses, but if it's an important person who's totally honest, they rely on him like two. So, Mapik Mamua Puma, they'll take away money from somebody, Viloi Boy Lasudi. So then it should be illegal to go to their courts if you're one of those people with a very good reputation. Or maybe because you're an important person, you can't get out of it. And you're required to testify. Take, we'll have to ask Eliyahu Navi what's the right thing to do in that circumstance. If you sell land uh, to a pagan next to your neighbor, he doesn't appreciate that. His kids used to play in the yard. Pagans are uh, cannibals and, and uh, idol worshippers. And uh, you, he's very upset that you destroy the neighborhood. So somebody who does that, must we put him in care of? My time, what's, what, what, what they do wrong? If it's because of the rule of the good neighbors, the dinner of Bar Metzra. So first of all, maybe he should have offered it to a Jew first. He said, if you buy from a non-Jew, that's only good. He can't have complaints. And even if you sell to a non-Jew, the din of good neighbors is when you buy, you should... Um, as a buyer, you should make sure that it's offered first to the neighbor next door, because uh, it's only right that the person did the right thing. But if the seller was a non-Jew, then the non-Jews do what they want. So what? Ex- which rule exactly prohibits you from selling next door to your neighbor to uh, Al Capone or to a, to a, a pagan? The answer is, You put a lion on my border. Not, it's a dangerous thing to do to give your neighbor a neighbor like that. So we put him in Kerem Adekabola uh, until he agrees to pay all the security costs and any damages that come because of who he sold his house to in the neighborhood. That came because of him. New Mishnah. Let's say the tax collectors took his donkey illegally and he argues with them and they give him another donkey back. Or not to least him or robbers. It's interesting. He puts the tax collectors next to the robbers. The robbers they take your garment and they give you a different garment back. So both these cases, you have something that belongs to someone else, but they took yours. So are you allowed to use somebody else's thing? The answer is you could. The original owner gave up hope of getting it back, and it's not in his, the original owner's possession. So you're allowed to keep it. A person saved something that was in a sea, it was, uh, it was grabbed by an army. Uh, or was grabbed by the robbers. So if the owner gave up hope of getting it back, you can keep it. If a person has bees, and the bees stream away onto another person's property, if the original owner of the bees gave up hope of getting them back, you can keep them. Now, sometimes you, your bees disappear and you want to know where they went. And you ask, there's a minor or a woman is believed to say, oh, the bees went over there. You're allowed then to break down your neighbor's fence if need be, or do what it takes to save your bees. And if you cause damage, you'll have to pay what you're... Normally, you're not allowed to cause any damage, but here they allowed him to call us a small amount of damage to go into his neighbor's yard to save his beehive. But you can't cut down the branch that the bees are on. How do you get talk the bees into coming back? So the easiest way is to cut down the branch and carry the branch back to your yard. So this uh, um, this says you're not allowed to do it, I mean, not, even if you're going to pay him for it. But then the final opinion of the Mishnah says, that if your bees disappear and go in your neighbor's land, you're even, and they settle on your neighbor's tree, you're allowed to cut down your neighbor's branch 
and pay him back for it in order to get to save your hide, um, your beads. Let's see the Gemara. Uh, what Tana? We said that you don't have to give it back, but we, we learned that Imnoto that if if they did give you someone else's donkey or they did give you somebody else's um, uh, somebody else's garment, you should give it back to the first owners. So that opinion holds the fact that the owners gave up hope. Yishkidi lo kana. That doesn't make the, doesn't mean you could keep it. Because when it first was taken, the owner wanted it back and didn't give up hope immediately. So when these people got it, it was forbidden to them. Some people say, if you want to give it back, you could. My time, really, you don't have to, because really, the owners gave up hope. But if you say, I really don't want to have something that doesn't belong to me. This is somebody else's cloak. This is somebody else's donkey. Then you should give it back to the original owners. So we said the owners give up hope. This is only if it's Gentile robbers. Gentile robbers, you give up hope. If they're Jewish robbers, you don't give up hope. Tomorrow I'll catch them and bring them to Basin. A Jewish robber has to listen to Basin, uh, whereas a Gentile one doesn't. So if, if it's a Jewish robber, you don't give up hope so fast because you hope to catch him and schlep him to Basin. Masculine of Yosef Adara, I could argue the other way, different Mustafa. Akam the Dini Begaisa. The Goyim, they beat the heck out of the robbers until they confess. So I, the Jew doesn't give up hope because he knows that they're gonna catch they're gonna catch him and get him to admit. Whereas um, the Jewish based in, first of all, they don't beat him up. That's the first shot in Rashi, or Kivan to Omar Maimer, the Jewish robbers are gonna say, bring me proof. It's very difficult to satisfy proof. How do you have proof that they stole? Meyai shall give up hope. So it's interesting. We have a debate. Uh, we know that at some point a person gives up. Is it is it easier to give up when it's Gentile robbers or is it easy to give up when it's Jewish robbers? Eliitmar, if you learned that you learned another second case. If a person saves something from pagans or from robbers, or if the owner gave up hope, then in. But you don't assume that. It's only pagan robber, uh, pagan pagans that stole it. Because the uh, uh, the um, uh, the 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 Gentile robbers, you you might be able to get it back. If it's Jewish robbers, then you definitely would give up hope. Uh, so therefore, um, it's only if you know for a fact that he's miyash. Now the Gemara begins a discussion. Uh, the, the question is, how do we figure out if the owner gave up hope or not? So, Tanan Hassan, we learned over there, Oish Shobalabais, um, let's say you want to buy a hide. So the rule is this, a hide can become impure once it's fully processed. Now, some people use a hide with very little processing, and they use it as like a blanket. And then other people cut up the leather to make shoes or to make a handbag, and it needs further processing. If it needs further processing, it will not be eligible for tuma. So, Orishel Balabais, if you bought these hides, so the, since you have processed them as much as you want, they're ready for tuma. But if these hides are by the store, Shel Avdin, Ein Makshab Metamas, the fact that they think they're finished. Basically, if someone comes to the store and says, can you cut this for me? Can you turn it into shoes? They'll do it. Now, what about if a robber has these hides? 
So in Mekshavim, it doesn't matter what the robber was planning on doing with them because it belongs to the original owner. Vishelganif, but if 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 a thief has it, Mekshavim Muslim. Rav Shimon says it's the other way around. Um, it's a question whether we I don't know English doesn't work so well. A ganif is where you don't know who took it, and a goslin is somebody you know who took it, but he took it by using force. So which one is it more likely to have yish? So we just said you could look at it two ways. He says it's the other way. The one who used force, you're not going to mess with him, so he's the boss now, and so whatever he thinks, that will set the standard for Tomashoganif. But if he just uh, stole it from you, ain't his, what he thinks doesn't count, because you still hope to get it back from him. Basically, he's not somebody you're afraid of, he just took when you weren't looking, so you're still hoping to get it back if you'll identify it somewhere. The debate is because you don't know but if you happen to know the owner gave up hope, you can rely on that. If the owner gave up hope, then the new owner is, acquires it. Rabbi says, he says, even if you think he gave up hope, you never really know what's going on in his mind. Don't argue on Ula. Why? Because the Mishnah seems to agree with him. The Mishnah said the owner didn't give up hope. The reason is he didn't give up hope. But if he gave up hope, then you could keep it. So you see from here that once you, he says he gives up hope, then that's, well, that's good enough. We learned that he doesn't give up hope. The Mishnah said if the robbers take it, that you're allowed to keep it, and So we want to see how our Mishnah is consistent with these three views. We're having differences of opinion about when uh, the person who takes it, the owner, gives up hope. Is it by a ganif, where you don't know who stole it? Is it by a goslin, where you know who stole it and he used force? And is there a difference if you admitted, if you said that you're miyayish or not? So, Irabon and Kashagazan, how do we understand the case of Gazan? That should be yours. Irib Shimon Kashagana. Bishlem, he said, if you know for a fact he was Mayayas, so then you can learn this case is that you know for a fact he, was, he gave up hope. That's why you're allowed to keep the donkey, you're allowed to keep the cloak. And the mission goes like everybody. According to him, everybody would agree if you hear the owners say, Oy vey, I'm never going to get it back, then, then the new person's allowed to keep it. But according to Rabbah, who said, even if he said he gives up hope, he doesn't give up hope. So that means that everybody still disagrees if he gave up hope. So either way, you're going to have a problem with one of these two cases, Ghana for Goslin. So who is our mission? It's not the Rabbana, it's not Rishimin. So the Gemara answers it's the third case. You have the robber that takes it where you're not looking. You have the robber that takes it with force. And then you have the armed robbers that you don't mess with. Gomorrah so says, isn't the armed robber and the robber who takes it with force the same thing? No, there's two different kinds. There's one that you still might, well, you'll get your gun and go after it, and there's another that's a whole band of armed robbers, and uh, you don't want to mess with them. That's the... Tashma, uh, um, come in here. Uh, these various robbers... 
if they donate to the temple, it works. A true Muslim, true. If they separate true, it works. And if they give Meiser, it works. Which sounds like they actually own the property that they've stolen. So if it's Rabbanan, what about the case of Gaza? If Rav Shimon, what about the case of Ganif? Uh, it should depend. So Bishlam Ula, according to Ula, we have the same solution. We're going to see three Gemaras that we're trying to really resolve this issue. And we're going to end up being able to give the same answer in all three cases that maybe these cases are talking about the mafia where there's a whole bunch of robbers and the different type of robbers that everybody agrees you give up hope of getting it back. So, but initially we don't know that. So if it's the case where you know for a fact, so you could say this case is you know for a fact and everybody agrees where you know for a fact he's miyash, you could keep it. El, the rabbi, don't really do anything. But he said even if you know for a fact, that doesn't, because he told people he's miyash, that doesn't mean you know for a fact. So then we have this problem. Our mission is not the rabban, not Rav Shimon. So here also you have to say we're talking about armed robbers like Rav Shimon. So Gemara said, but then we have two cases of armed robbers. So Gemara said, you're right, they're a little bit different. Trey, Gavni, Gasa. But there's two cases of the robbers. Eboy Sam, if you want, Hamasisa Rebihi. Maybe our Mishnah goes like Rebbe, the Tanya Rebbe Omer Ganav Kagaslan. He holds that they're both the same, that the owner's Miyayish Vikaimalan, Gazlan the Riv Shimon. Or it, it would be according to Riv Shimon. Gufa, let's look at that. Rebbe Omer Ani Ganav, as we turn the page, he says that Ganav Kagaslan are the same as far as these halacha that the owner gives the Pope. Boiluhu, Ganav Kagaslan the Rabbanan Komar. Does he mean he's like the Rabbanan who said that he, a Gazlan. That he doesn't give up hope and he doesn't acquire it, or maybe it's like the Gazan of Rushimin who says that uh, he does give up hope when the armed robber, because at least he knows who took it, and so he can go after him. So Tashma. Again, uh, the, this was an earlier debate. Uh, is he better off with a robber he doesn't know who took it, and he doesn't give up hope because he could find it, and then he'll grab it back? Or is it worse when he knows who took it, so, but the person is armed? So he's not, either he's not going to mess with him, or since he knows who took it, he'll be more likely to be able to bring him under justice. So there were two ways to look at it. Tashma, come in here. So we learned in the mission, if they take your donkey, you could keep it. Who said you can't? As we said before. So if you learn that Rebbe learns that the Ganav and Gazlan are the same, uh, and you could keep it, so our Mishnah could be Rebbe. And that's why you're allowed to keep it. But if you say it's like the Gazan and Rabbanan, where you're not allowed to keep it, and you can't have it, so then our Mishnah doesn't come out like Rav Shimon or the Rabbanan. So we've proved how the case, uh, uh, what kind of Ganif we're talking about. So Gemara said, no, maybe we're talking about two different kinds of robbers, and like Rav Shimon. But then Gemara says, but isn't that a Gazan? So there's two different types. Tashma, let's try again. Third proof. That these various robbers who steal, they own the property they steal, and if they tie, that works. If it's a rabbanan, why? A gazan shouldn't it shouldn't work. If it's your shimon, a ganav shouldn't work. So if you say that they're the, the, the ganav kaganas and the shimon kamar, so then that would be the case. But if you say ganav the gazan the rabbanan, that yish doesn't work. Hamani believes so. You have to say we're talking about armed robbers as your shimon. But the gemara says, but we already listed a case of gazan. So as we answered, there's two cases of gazan. So this is the third time we've given the same answer. That basically. Um, it, uh, our question is, we have a huge debate here when something's stolen, whether you give up hope. And there are different opinions. Does it matter if it's a ganif where you don't know who stole it, or a gazlin, you know who stole it, he used some kind of force? Or, and, uh, and uh, is it also possible that there's a difference if you know for a fact he's miyayish or not? And then also, 
we're raising the factor, it's possible that we're talking about two different types of armed robbers. So the fourth time is the charm. Now the Gemara is going to bring the final proof. He said, well, the rule we said before was when the robber died, they, uh, you can collect his theft from his land estate. So I would have said that's only something that's leanable like land. But he said, even if you left a cow and you're plowing with it or a donkey, you can also, the kids uh, who inherit the estate have to pay back the father's stolen things with those things because they have a mitzvah to honor their dad. And it would be embarrassing if people noticed that this estate had things that were stolen from other estates. Time they covered a vium. It's it just really a respect thing. But if you didn't have it, you could keep it. So you see, Rabbi the Gazan Shimon Kama, you see that he holds that in this case that the Gazan could keep it and because the owner gives up hope. Now, it doesn't mean the Gazan could keep it. He's obligated to return it. It really means that his kids are allowed to keep it because we say that the owner gave up hope. So then we get to the beehive case. So the Vikay Nachoshodvarim. What does the minister mean also? Now, how do you acquire bees? Really, when you acquire something, you need to pick it up, you need to put it in your house. That really, to acquire bees, you need a kinyan. And so the rabbis instituted that you can acquire bees. So even though Minatora, they're really not yours, the rabbis called them yours. So I would have thought, Kimi Rabbanan Biyam, it's only rabbinic. So So maybe we're more lenient and say, once they fly the coop, you're Miyayish. Kamashwan, you have to hear that he's Miyayish. If you don't hear it, don't touch his bees. We said that you can even believe a minor or a child who said the bees went this way. How can they testify? The owner's chasing them, and he, they say, those are your bees that went right across on the neighbor's property. So then, and they happened to mention, we saw those bees go that way. This is where the bees went. So we're mentioning a new concept. That women and children can't formally testify, but the concept is something called Masiach Lefituma. It means that they can tell over something not because they're uh, being asked especially or not because they're on the witness stand. They just happen to mention it, and that gives it more credibility. See, if somebody knows the answer you want to give, you can't trust them. They can't testify. But if they're Masiach Lefituma, according to this, uh, they said, oh, we saw, uh, they, we saw the, you know, those bees over there? I saw them come from this direction. So they happened to just mention it. They didn't know why you wanted to know, oh, that direction were my bees. I was just, I was just looking for them. So we're saying that you're normal, that this Masiach Lefi Tumor works. So that's, that's uh, the point that Gemara wants to make. Omer Ravashi, uh, Ravashi said no. He says, Masiach Lefi Tumor only is kosher for usually for women's rules, for if a husband died or something, in order to permit her to remarry, they were more lenient. So, you mean to tell me we don't usually rely on the testimony that said um, when they don't realize why they're just telling over something and we have a reason to believe they're saying the truth, you can't believe them. The bee case, where they just happened to say, we saw the bees come from over there, they're believed. Shani this is different um, because it's a Kenyan Durabanan. And since it's Durabanan, 
So we just rely, the Rabbanon also made this law that they allow you to keep bees, even though Minatora, you can't prove that the bees on your neighbor's estate were yours, but you can rely on the testimony of the woman child. But dear Raisalo Minatora, you're telling me you're not allowed to rely on this testimony? So now we're going to try to prove other cases where we rely on, on something that's not real testimony, meaning from on a witness stand, from an adult, from a regular person. But a person gives us a narrative and they have no reason to lie and they tell us something that proves something we're allowed to believe it. Person said, was telling his friends, I remember when I was a little boy and I was riding on my father's back. But say he took me out of the school, and he took off my clothes and he dunked me in the mikvah so I could eat truma that night. And he said also, all of my friends made sure to stay away from me, not to make me impure. And they called me Yochanan Ochokalos. They gave me a nickname that I'm the Chala eater. And when he heard this story, Rebbe heard this story, he said, this proves that he's 100% legit Kohen. So this proves that you can rely on a story for something Minatora. The Gemara said maybe it was only for Rabbinic Truma. I have a to What about the following story? Omar Kurtanya Omerlei Rev Aka Kurtangna. I think it's from the city of Kurtigna. Mishtoi Maisa Bolivne Yeshuvin Levi Omerla Maisa Bolivne Rebbe. There was a story with a Tinnik, a child that was telling over Anivi Imi Nishuvena Akum. Me and my mother were captured by the pagans. Yotza, but I was, was worried the pagans would harm my mother. So I, um, and I'm a good fighter, so I made sure to not leave her alone for a second. When I went to get water from the well, I was listening for my mother. When I went to gather the wood, and I made sure she was never alone with the pagans and that she wasn't attacked. So Rabbi said, well, if she wasn't, uh, then she's kosher to marry a Cohen. So we see that you believe even a story. The Gemara said, Akila, we're lenient. Because there, she said she wasn't attacked. And uh, in general, they were lenient in these cases. So we said the final halacha by the bees that uh, if your bees go to your neighbor's yard, you're allowed to break down the fence to go get them, but you're not allowed to cut down his tree or his log to pull back uh, your bees. So Tanab, um, so that was one opinion. But now the final opinion was Rebbe Yishmol, Benosho of Yohan Brocha. He said that even though technically you shouldn't be allowed to damage your neighbor to save yourself money, even if you pay him back. But that was one of the conditions that we went into Israel, that if your bees go to your neighbor's yard and land on his tree, you're allowed to cut down his branch to save all of your bees, and you'll reimburse him for his, his, his branch. And a similar condition was, if your neighbor's honey was seeping out of the barrel you, and you have a, a barrel with wine, you can spill your barrel of wine out, put his honey in there, and then charge him for your wine, which is much less than honey, and he has to pay it because you're saving him money. And there's a similar tonight, you're carrying wood and his flax is falling off, that you can uh, dump your wood and carry his flax, and you'll, he'll have to pay for your wood, but you're going to save him. So in these cases, when we came in Eretz Israel, the conditions were that we're, if somebody uh, does something to save you money, you have to at least reimburse them 
for their costs.